0: relationship habits. As we develop this series over the course of this term, we're not just talking about marriages and romantic relationships, although those are very important. We're also talking about your family relationships, your workplace relationships, your school relationships, because these are overarching principles that apply to every area of our life. We're going to be talking about our relationship within our local church and how we relate to one another. And through that, we want to change our habits. And you may think to yourself, I've tried that in the past, and it didn't work. I have every year on January 1st a New Year's resolution, and it hasn't stuck yet. Well, let's take the pressure off of ourselves and go back and see what the Bible says. Second Corinthians chapter number five, verse 17 is a tremendous verse. It's on the screen for you to follow. I believe it's also in your bulletin, so you can read it along there too. It says this: Therefore, if anyone is, and I capitalized it, in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. He says, behold, the new has come. Maybe you've been going through life and saying, I've tried that in the past and it didn't work. And then I tried this and it didn't work. And I tried that and it didn't work. And before long, you just get discouraged and you think to yourself, this is as good as it gets. Now, in some ways, when I I tell my wife, this is as good as it gets. But there's other areas in your life where you think to yourself, no, there's, there's habits in our life that we need to allow God to change. There's an author and, and salesman named Zig Ziglar, whose his mother obviously had a sense of humor. And Zig Ziglar said, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. So the challenge for this series, and particularly for this morning, is to start and to set a foundation of developing godly relationship habits, not the old way of living. We all have similar relationship goals. I've had the honor of performing a number of weddings, and not one wedding that I performed, the the, the bride and the groom say, Yeah, we're just going to try this for as long as it lasts. Every single one of them says, no, this is for better or worse. We're, gonna, we're in it for the long haul. Every single person that starts a new job, you don't go, well, something, hopefully you don't. Well, well, I really don't care about this job. You say, I really want them to like me. I really want to get along. Some of you have started new schools recently, and I guarantee you don't go in there and going. I don't want to make any friends. Every single person goes I want to make friends, I want to feel connected, I want to feel involved. We all have similar relationship goals, but we have very different results. Another author, a man named James Clear, in a book wrote, "Goals don't determine success. Your habits determine success. And I'm going to add a little bit more to that, is that your godly habits determine success. So you may be asking yourself, why do I keep doing the old things? Why do I keep going back to the old habits and the old way of living? Let me propose to you that maybe, probably, you have some very bad habits that you've been dragging along year after year, decade after decade. And you think to yourself, that's just the way that it is. That's just who I am. I blow up. I get angry. I sometimes hurt people that I say that I love. I say things that I really wish that I could drag back. And that's just who I am. Well, let me propose to you that we are in Christ And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are now called. And the Bible says that you are a new creation. In 2006, Duke University in the United States did a study. And they came to the conclusion that 40% of our actions, our daily actions, are things that are totally unconscious. We just do them without even thinking through and processing them. They are the results of habits. We become creatures of habit. And year after year, relationship after relationship, hurt after hurt, we look back upon them and go, well, that's just who I am. Or maybe you're filled with guilt from the past and you're thinking to yourself, why do I keep doing this? Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And you may think to yourself now, but it's so overwhelming. There's so much to do and so little time. Or I have so many things that I need to begin changing. Well, let's rather than thinking through, you're going to grab all of these things at once. And let's start thinking about, let's start grabbing onto one. Maybe God has brought a particular area in your life to your attention in your mind right now. And you're thinking to yourself, Is he talking to me? Yes, I'm talking to you as I talk to all of you. And God maybe brought something to your heart and your mind. Rather than thinking about everything on the list, let's just focus on one or two of those things. Pastor and author Craig Rochelle says, the fastest way to do big things is to consistently do small, right things. That's our challenge. Let's begin to develop some Godly relationship habits so that we can replace the bad habits of the past. Our principle for today is this. And every Sunday we have a principle that we seek to apply to our life. And it is this. In Christ, I can think of the big picture and respond correctly. This morning we're talking about thinking the big picture as opposed to the small picture. We're thinking of and talking about response. Responding when we have opportunities to get angry, when we have opportunities to say things that we really shouldn't say, to hurt others around us, to to carry the uh, the, being a victim or carry carry the slavery of our past rather than reacting. So often we go, where did that come from? Well, we are reacting as opposed to responding in Christ. We're going to talk about, in the Old Testament, a man named Joseph. And in Joseph in the Old Testament is recorded in the book of Genesis, in the very front of your Bible, in chapters 37 right through to the end of the book, chapter number 50. And there's an incredible amount of writing about this man, Joseph. This is not Mary and Joseph, Jesus' father. This is Joseph in the Old Testament. And I'm going to give you some, um, some principles from his life. And then we're gonna go back and illustrate those principles. So if you are familiar with the story of Joseph, you're gonna think to yourself in this first part, Michael's really jumping ahead. I know I am. And then I'm gonna go back and illustrate it, and we're gonna see these points lived out. First of all, what we, we want to see is the development of develop the habit of responding, not reacting. That's the habit we want to have today. Responding, not reacting. We want to think big picture. Let's begin by looking at respond, to think big picture. Reacting takes no skill and no spiritual discipline because it's in you. Responding requires a spiritual development and a discipline because we are in Christ. In the book of Genesis, chapter number 50, the very end of this book, the the Bible says this. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring about that many should be kept alive as they are today. In order to respond correctly we must remember three things that we find in this verse these two verses here we must remember first of all remember god's promises he begins and says do not fear that's some of the most unhelpful advice when it's given by itself you ever had someone tell you just don't be afraid but i am afraid but it is a scary situation You can't tell someone, don't worry, be happy. It makes a good song, but it's a horrible philosophy of life. In reality, we live in a big, scary world. So therefore, rather than just telling someone, do not fear, why should we not fear? What's the truth and the promise behind it? So first of all, we remember God's promises. For Joseph, he was a man who... I'm just looking at the time right now, guess what? I just have a very free week next week because I'm decided I'm gonna turn this into a two part message, (laughs) okay? So I'm gonna take my time now and the whole bottom part of your bulletin notes are gonna be blank and very frustrating to you and so come back next week, okay? I'm just looking at the time and recognizing that I'm not gonna do this in any way justice. So Mother's Day, we're gonna talk about thinking, big picture too remember God's promises. You look at the life of Joseph. He was a man who had grown up in a house and he was part of a family. And this family had some promises and they had some wealth behind them. And they had promises that were given to them from God himself. If you think of a family tree, generations before, Four generations before this man, Joseph, you had a man named Abraham. Abraham was called by God. If you know of the nation of Israel and you've ever heard the nation of Israel described as God's people or God's chosen people, that goes right back to Joseph's great grandfather, Abraham. He was called by God. Then we had Abraham had a a couple sons and he had a son named Isaac. And Isaac was the chosen one. And then from Isaac, Isaac had a couple more sons and he had Jacob. And then Jacob had 12 sons. So it went from two to two to a ton of sons. And he had 12 sons. And as you look back upon the life of Abraham, Joseph's great grandfather, this would have been in the family history. They would have talked about this often. They would have discussed this. This is well before, literally hundreds of years before the Bible and the law was ever written. So everything that was given was given through stories. And imagine sitting around the campfire. This is pre-TV days. You had to talk to one another. And they would tell stories. Remember when God came and spoke with your great-grandfather Abraham. And what did he say? In Genesis chapter number 12, verses 1 through 3, this is God talking to Abraham, says, Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and to him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Something absolutely remarkable here is that God's looking and talking to Abram, uh, Abraham, and he says there, I am going to do some great things through you. We see some I am statements. He, sa- he says there, I will show you. I will make you. I will bless you. And then he says, and then you will be a blessing. It all goes from God down through Abraham. You recognize that through that same family tree, the nation of Israel was formed. You see that through that, a man named King David came through that same lineage And then eventually, as you read through the genealogies, all the way down to Jesus Christ himself. So this here is what's referred to as the Abrahamic covenant. And this this covenant was a covenant between God and Abraham, and Abraham and the rest of the nation. And ultimately, we see a prophecy of the entire world being blessed through Jesus Christ. And it all comes down to sitting around the campfire, with Joseph and his brothers hearing these stories. And you think to yourself, we are going through a time when you need to begin to develop habits. You need to begin to develop change in your life. You don't think through, well, just don't be afraid. Like someone's telling you, just be different. That doesn't help at all. We go back to, what does the Bible say? What are the promises of God that we find in His Word? Joseph and his twelve, oh, 11 other brothers, 12 all together, they became the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph knew this promise, and it shaped his worldview. It shaped the way that he, he saw himself. It shaped the way that he saw the world around him. Because I am skipping this and going into two parts, I'm going to give you a little bit of background to this, these verses. If you go back in your Bibles and look at Genesis chapter number 50, verses 19 through 20, you'll see it says, Joseph said to them, he's being approached by 10 of his brothers who are deathly afraid that Joseph is going to get revenge on them because they were some of the worst brothers you will ever see. And next week, I'm going to go into far more detail and tell the story. And I won't act it out for you, but it's a great account. So just to hold you in suspense a little bit. But, He was sold into slavery by his brothers. His brothers looked at him and said, we hate our brother so much because he was his father's favorite that we said, we want to kill him. And then along came some Midianite traders and they thought to themselves, well, you know what? If we kill him, we get nothing. So therefore, how about we sell him? So they sold their brother into slavery, lied about it to their father. And then year after year, decade after decade, they've been holding this as a secret. It finally came out and Jacob knew and he saw, they became reacquainted with, with Joseph once again. And then years later, as older men, their father has just died. And then these brothers come and say to him, whoa, do you know what? Joseph's going to get some revenge on us. He's going to kill us. Now that dad's gone, he's going to get some revenge. Joseph comes and says to them, do not fear. The next thing we see after Joseph gives them that reassurance of don't be afraid, because they remember that through their family, the entire world is going to be blessed. Joseph had a chance right there to totally break God's covenant and kill all his brothers. He had the authority to at that time. He had the status. He could have had revenge on all of his brothers. And this promise of God would have been broken. But Joseph chose to think big picture as opposed to small. The next thing we see is remember God's power. Remember God's promises, but remember God's power. God did some remarkable and miraculous things through the life of Joseph. Took him from the lowest of lows to literally the highest of highs. He went from being a a slave and a prisoner to being the governor of all of Egypt and ultimately saved the world. And if that intrigues you a little bit, again, a commercial break. Come back next week. Because what we see here is remember God's power. Joseph said to them, do not fear. And he says, for am I in the place of God? It's a little bit of a play on words. When you think through it, it's a little bit confusing. He's ultimately saying, God is God and I am not God. He's acknowledging God's power and he's saying, am I in the place of God? I'm not God in this situation. God is God here. He's the one that's going to get revenge of anything. There's a Bible term that's used to describe God and His power. It's the word sovereign. And the sovereignty of God. If you were to look it up in a dictionary, a Bible dictionary, the word sovereign means superior, greatest, supreme in power and authority, ruler, independent of all others. A very short definition of the sovereignty of God is, God is in control. And as we filter through Everything that happens to us in our life, you may think to yourself, but they did that to me. They said this to me, or I've lost my job, or I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. And we begin to think really small and short term, as opposed to thinking big picture. We forget the promises of God. We forget the power of God. God is in control. Now, I know we have some dentists in our church and some people that work in the dental field. I'm talking about you today. You cannot lie to your dentist. When the dentist asks you a question, it's right after they put their fingers into your mouth. And then they ask you a question. Normally the question is, how are you brushing? Or do you floss every day? And of course, every one of us lie and say, absolutely. Uh, we we're are, are, harm. And you and you say, absolutely, I, I, and then they look at your teeth and they know you're lying. You can't lie to your dentist. I feel sorry for children of dentists. Like you can never get away with anything. You can't lie to your dentist, but at the same time as I can't do the same job as a dentist. And if you remember there's a Mr. Bean skit about him drilling his own teeth out, that's just a skit. Don't try that at home. But you think, I am not a dentist, I can't do what a dentist can do. I own a drill, but that doesn't mean I'm going to clean out my teeth. In a similar way with God, we look at God and we say, God, you are God and I am not. I can't do what it is that you can do. You are the one who has the promises. You're the one that's powerful. Therefore, I'm going to think not short term. I'm going to think big picture. In the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 19, it talks about getting vengeance. And it says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. It's not up to you and me to bring judgment upon other people. We need to think big picture. And to recognize that we may do and say things in the short term that break relationships so that we can no longer speak truth into people's life and to love them and care for them the way that that they deserve. We don't take the place of God. We need to remember God's promises. We need to remember God's power. But also, third is, remember God's purposes. And I specifically made that a plural. Purposes. Remember God's purposes. You are part of God's eternal plan, something that is bigger and greater than just yourself. And if you're anything like me, I have no problem thinking short term. I can think about the here and now and about the next week or two ahead. And I think back upon my own history, which isn't that far back in in the scope of of time. And we have a worldview that is small and narrow. But in reality, God looks at it and he sees the beginning from the end. And he knows how everything fits together. And so often we think short term. We think small picture when God sees big picture. And as we begin to remember the promises of God and filter our responses through the promises of God, and as we remember the power of God and filter our responses through the power of God, and as we remember that God has created us not as a cosmic accident, but with purposes, we can recognize that we can now see things big picture as opposed to thinking small. For Joseph, I'm going to go into more detail next week, but for Joseph, he went through becoming a a boy or young man who was sold by his brothers. He was a victim, and then he became a slave, and then he worked his way up and became the head of a household, and then he was falsely accused, and then he went down and went into prison. And then while he was in prison, he worked his way up and became the head of the prison. And then through miraculous things with dreams, he ended up meeting the Pharaoh, interpreting some of Pharaoh's dreams and ultimately saving the world through a famine because of God's wisdom in his life. And all of that, you can go back and read verse number 20. And it says it on the screen. As for you, you meant evil against me. You hated me and wanted to sell me and kill me. But God meant it. For good. That right there is so easy to read. To live out remembering God's promises and live out living in God's power and God's purposes. It's so easy to read. Oh, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Everything's wonderful. Joseph still had to go through slavery, he still had to experience the lows of being in prison. But then through that, God ultimately brought him to being the savior of the world in that he saved the world from famine. God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You are part of God's eternal plan. Your relationships that you have in the here and now are part of God's eternal plan. And maybe you may be thinking to yourself, well, my marriage is this and everything else is a different relationship. We're talking about all relationships. So therefore, when you go to school tomorrow and you go to work tomorrow and then you you begin to connect with others. And as you drive home from church today, you're going to have opportunity to have a relationship with a stranger in a car. And that person in the car may cut in front of you and do something to you that you have every right to blow up. But be careful when you come to and from church, particularly on the way to church, because the person you may be blowing up about may pull into the car park as well and pull in right next to you. And then you'll say, God bless you. (coughs) We need to think big picture as opposed to small. But I want you to think through just for a moment. I'm going to come to a conclusion in just a moment. I want you to think about what difference it will make in your relationships if you can think big picture And choose to respond and not react. What difference that will will that make in your marriage relationship? With your children? With your parents? How will it be when you have a little bit of patience and you think from their perspective? I'm going to conclude with a silly story because it's a good one. I can only use it this week. Yesterday I got a haircut. And my family is amazing. They always notice until yesterday. And I came home and every single member of my family looked me in the eyes and I made them plenty of gestures. <laughs> but I'm not joking. I walked out of the room slowly so they would see me. None of them said anything. I was reviewing this point right here. I thought to myself I could get mad right now and I'm justified they didn't notice my wife knew that I was getting a haircut this morning and she didn't say anything about how good it was (laughs) now I can expect Caden to forget but Riley never forgets and she notices everything and she didn't notice for hours Riley was the first to notice Tammy didn't notice until about nine o'clock at night that, that night like 12 hours later and this is a silly illustration about things you go, that's silly. Why would I blow up and get mad about that? But those little things begin to fester. And before long you think, I'm mad. Why are you mad? I don't know, but I'm mad. And things begin to bother us, and we begin to react rather than respond. Now, Kay didn't never notice my haircut, but I forgive him. And where's Tate? She hasn't noticed my haircut either. I forgive you. Does that make sense? That silly illustration of you allow things and you react to things. You go, in reality, that doesn't matter at all. I know I look good. (laughs) In reality, we begin to react rather than respond. So in a moment, we're going to pray. God has brought something to your mind in a particular situation that maybe you need to apologize about. And you go, I hate apologizing. But maybe you need to develop the habit of thinking big picture. And you go, you know what? If I apologize in the big picture, it's far better to apologize than to suffer through this. Maybe you need to develop and maybe practice this on the way home in the car of being kind to others. In the shops, at work, speaking to each other differently. And imagine how different your relationships will be as a result. Why don't you stand with me as we close in prayer. Then we're going to sing a closing song. Lord, you've you brought us here from a variety of backgrounds, and today's been a little bit of an unusual message with things cut out and things added. But Lord, what was said was what you wanted to be said. And so Lord, I pray that you'll do what you promised to do as we prayed in the very beginning, that you, you meet us where we are, and that you will bring the conviction and bring the, bring the illustrations. And that we know those areas in each and every one of our lives when we are thinking short-term and we're thinking small when we need to allow you to work in our life to think big picture. So Lord, I I pray that you will do what you promised to do and convict us and change us and mold us and shape us and give us the ability to think big picture. And as we do that, we'll we'll develop these habits in our life that are ultimately remembering your promises and your power and your purposes. And we'll live differently as a result. And In Jesus' name, amen.